oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn 2 Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast Brought to you by rotofanatic.com I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. We're continuing on our ADP review and preview of going into second base today. Very loaded position. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Brian Seymour. How are you enjoying the playoffs? I got to admit, I mean, I'm watching them here and there, but I am knee-deep in preparation for Fantasy Baseball 2022. So that's kind of where my head's been all day. But as far as the action I've caught and as far as the results, not only not what I thought was going to happen, but not what I wanted to happen. I did not think we'd have a Red Sox Astros ALCS and definitely thought we'd have a Brew Crew versus somebody NLCS. So this is certainly a surprise to me. I think I saw you feel the same way based on your predictions earlier about Mm -hmm. the postseason. So, yeah, crazy stuff, man. I'm, I'm a little shocked. Yeah, my predictions haven't gone incredibly well. I mean, I had, I had, uh, you know, the, I didn't do bad as some. I know there's some out there that there's this post out there. Someone missed every single game and didn't get a single one right. I mean, I have Houston winning the World Series, which I'm not actually rooting for. That's just what I chose. It's not actually what I want to happen. You're not an Astros fan. No. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, they never got what they deserved. I mean, right. again, no one enjoyed the pandemic. Now, I mean, it's a horrible thing, but I mean, the timing of it couldn't have worked out better for their franchise. They never actually got their medicine. And then Alex Cora and Hinch, they're all back in uh, like everyone's fr- it, pretty much no one was punished at all. Right. I, I mean, literally the Houston didn't even feel a sting of this. Uh, and I, I obviously like, you know, not not the entire team was involved. There's basically hardly anyone on the team that's still um, even even responsible. You basically have like the big three: Correa, uh, Altuve, and Bregman are basically you know the, the three guys. But yeah, I'm never rooting for Houston. <laughs> Those I don't know. Maybe it's just the smug look on their faces. Like they don't care that they cheated. You know, they know they got away with it. They could give a crap. You know, nothing was taken from them. So whatever. I mean, I'm never rooting for them. Um, I allow a lot of other people won't, but as you know, it's funny, even after all these guys are gone, Correa is gone. I would think most people assume he's definitely gone. Uh, so, I mean, eventually you'll have this team that is comprised of completely a bunch of players that weren't even involved and people will still boo them for the rest of the time. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, I guess since the owner, Jim Crane is still there, people are going to continue to do it, but whatever. Right. I have them as my champion. They are a great, uh, I shouldn't say they're a great team. They're very talented. The offense is very scary. So I would not be shocked if, uh, you know, they, they ended up walking through the playoffs um, just like they kind of, kind of walked through the white Sox. But anyway, we just spent a ton of time on a topic. No one actually wants to hear about. So let's talk about second base. 
for anyone that is not paying attention to our series, what we do is we go through the ADP from NFBC main event leagues before the season, and we go pretty much spot by spot uh, position or, uh, you know, um, ADP wise, and just kind of go where players were drafted, review how they did, if they actually return value and kind of a preview of what's to come. The big thing with second base is being Brian, we're talking beforehand is there's so many people that changed position eligibility. A lot of people gained that changes ADP quite significantly. So we're going to list people and you're going to wonder, Oh, why was he taking so late? And blah, 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 blah. I mean, a lot of them didn't have second base eligibility, which obviously may have changed where they were drafted and it'll change where they're going next year. Starting at the very top, someone who gained second base eligibility is Mr. Trey Turner. Went around pick seven, pick eight in uh, NFBC main events. I don't think he'll, I mean, you know, it's still first round pick, but uh, due to the safety, I guess, of of, uh, his value and the fact that he's gained second base, I would expect him to go no later than fourth, fifth, maybe sixth in drafts. I'd be very stunned if he ever uh, went past that. So what are your thoughts on Trey Turner and how early are you willing to take him? Because, uh, he, he is, for me, until we know more about Acuna, until we know more about Tatis's shoulder, he is uh, firmly in the mix for 101 for me. I agree 100%. Yeah, 101 is definitely where I would take him. Um, now, of course, being a high-volume player, I'll probably vary that. I mean, I don't want to have 100% Trey Turner shares. But, um, man, I mean, like the consistency across the categories, I think is unmatched. I mean, I think of Jose Ramirez, um, but even that, I mean, you're not going to get probably the average out of him that you are out of Trey Turner. So, uh, yeah, I think he's and you know what's funny? I am seeing like you just alluded to. I'm seeing more people um, that are maybe more like casual players starting to talk about Trey Turner for the number one overall pick this year, whereas last year that was more of just a kind of high stakes advantage player type idea this year. I'm starting to see it just like regularly talked about. So, you know, I guess a great year like that'll do it for you. Plus now playing for the Dodgers, obviously, which should boost his value even more. Um, the second base shortstop thing is fantastic to now have that eligibility. Although that's probably like the least, I guess, quote unquote, valuable combo you could have if you're multi-position eligible you know kind of just middle infield I guess like first slash third base is probably the other one I really love it when guys have that like cross infield like first and second eligibility or something like that but still only only good that he's now eligible at second base so yeah absolutely should be in the argument for 101 and I think he'll go there quite a bit honestly because there's some confusion up top like you mentioned so it'll be interesting to see but yeah I, I love Trey Turner uh, next up on the list is someone a little more confusing and a little less slam dunky, if that's a word, as DJ LeMayhew. Um, you know, he leaves Colorado. A lot of people think he's going to struggle in New York. Turns out to be the best possible landing spot for him, built for the ballpark and that right field porch. Goes on a couple of like fantastic years. Looks like he's on his way to the, this monster contract. Of course, he signs back with the Yankees. Struggles quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit this year. Um, I mean, he, he overall, I mean, he was just uh, probably one of the bigger disappointments in fantasy drafts, I would say, for anyone who invested in him. Uh, as far as his plate discipline is, it goes, there's, there's really not this um, massive drop-off, I guess, from what you were expecting to see. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as production, it just wasn't there. So what are your thoughts on DJ Lemihu going into next year? I mean, do you think this is just like this weird 162 game slump <laughs> or, or, yeah. or do you think, uh, what do you think we're going to expect? Cause he, he ended up batting 268, 349 on base. Not bad. 10, only 10 home runs, four stolen bases did score 84 times. Again, 10 home runs, 679 plate appearances. He like wasn't injured. His weighted runs created plus were an even 100. The same as Jed Lowry <laughs> uh, yeah, below right. Josh Rojas. <laughs> so I'll keep it kind of short and sweet. Cause we did mention him on the first base episode as well. I think that um, I, th- I think that, yeah, you didn't see a lot of changes in the actual batting profile or anything like that. He's still in a good lineup. He's still in a good ballpark. Everybody wanted him to go back to Yankee Stadium, of course, and drafted him. You know, the, the eligibility is fantastic, and we talked before. Like that's going to give him a high floor. Uh, this is the kind of thing I like first, second, third. I think he does bounce back this year. I don't know where I'm willing to buy in, and of course, we're still kind of waiting to see where markets will settle. Um, man, if I wish the NFBC had all the draft champions up and running right now, but um, we've got a couple rogue ones going. I know Zach Waxman's got some stuff going on out there, but. Um, I'm interested in the price on LeMahieu. I think this could be maybe a little bit of a sneaky buyback. Um, we shall see where he goes, but I, I'm intrigued to see because I do think we'll probably have a, a bit of a rebound next year. He's not old, old yet. He'll still be 33 by the start of the season. So I, I will have a little bit of interest in LeMahieu. All right. Yeah, he's 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 definitely one of the most interesting guys. I mean, his pull rate was down a bit the last three years before this. It was like 29.8, 27.9, 27.4. Now it's down to 24.8. Obviously, if you want to take advantage of that right field porch, you're going to want to pull the ball pretty consistently. Um, And, you know, just this little tiny things were off. I mean, his barrel rate was 3.7, but it was 2.9 the year before. Just, uh, just kind of, just kind of generally off. So like I said, er, like very early, we, I know we mentioned this on other shows, so we'll move on quickly. His chase rate was, uh, you know, the lowest it's been <laughs> since 2017. Uh, you know, his, his contact within the zone was still 92.6%, kind of like everything you want to see out of Deji the Mayhew from a positive standpoint was there other than actual the results, the results. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that uh, he he seems like a nice bounce back, and he should uh, you should be getting a significant discount on a guy who's probably going to retain most of his eligibility. Uh, the third second baseman to go, uh, and again that was DJ the Mayhew we're talking about. The third second baseman to go is uh, in drafts from preseason was Whit Merrifield, where he's interesting because if you look uh, if you sort by woba or weighted runs created plus some kind of way where you want to kind of rank players in some kind of value system, you know, uh, by a singular statistic, which is difficult to do. I think weighted runs created plus does a fairly good job of doing that. What Merrifield shakes out um, as the uh, second, this 21st second baseman for the season, as far as qualified at a 91 runs weighted runs created plus for anyone doesn't know the stat that, you know, it's a based on a 100 scale, meaning he was about 9% worse than league average. Uh, so, but if you look at him from a roto standpoint, batted 277, 317 on base, not impressive, but if, you know, most, most, uh, leagues don't count that. So he batted 277 with only 10 home runs, but 40, 40 stolen bases and 97 runs. So from a roto perspective, quite valuable. And I think if you drafted him 
um, you know, 37th overall was his ADP as the third second baseman off the board. You were completely happy, maybe disappointed with only the, the 10 home runs. Not that he was ever like a monster power guy, but 97 runs, 40 stolen bases. You got to be, I don't know, ecstatic out of, out of what he gave you. Yeah. Um, there were some people kind of talking him down a little bit last year. I think just because of the age and uh, frankly, this is something I wouldn't even know much about, but some baseball savant stuff, because I don't really even look there, but, um, I don't know how you don't really love this guy still, like you said in Roto, which is usually what we're talking about. Not only that, the last three years, he has played in every single game. That's three straight years. Now, of course, one was a 60 game season, but he played 162 in 2019 and this year. 735 plate appearances in 2019 the guy plays the guy hits yeah we only got a 277 average this year um you know i think i think 280 is about what you can expect and which is in today's climate fantastic i don't know if he steals 40 again i'll have to look into a little bit i mean i don't know if that's like Matheny influenced or what exactly is going on with the base stealing there but i would think that we're still going to see a high number from him and that's why I think he stays probably market-wise like right around where he had been going. I don't know why people don't like this guy. I think it might be what you said, like in a real baseball terms, you know, offensively, he's not going to rate out like he would in Roto, obviously. But that yeah, Royals well, lineup is pretty intriguing. So, go ahead. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I is actually one of the people who detracted from him. I was actually on his decline in 2020. Shame on you. Well, there's a reason. Um I mean, if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, he's not actually very good uh, in terms of the way he's <laughs> aging. Um, it, it, I mean, his batting average continues to drop and everything you want to see from a growth perspective, obviously in his age is, is going the opposite direction. The, the, the problem I had with him was um, he is a compiler and if he were to miss any, you know, an advanced, you know, as he gets older, say advanced age, he's not 60. Um, as he starts to get older, if he misses any time, if his skills fall off even further as a compiler, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, especially in week, you know, this is in head to head leagues, totally different. And in, um, in Roto leagues, you know, you just get the entire season. So it doesn't really matter when it comes as long as it comes. So that's kind of why I was off of him. I mean, he continues to prove me wrong here. Um, everything can, continues to be okay. But again, you look at a 277 average, 259 expected batting average um, over the last few years, which again, what I was using for kind of regression, sort of not that expected stats are predictive, they're descriptive. Um, you know, they, what that is a, a good uh, idea of possibly looking at what, what is causing him to overperform versus what is, uh, what could cause him to go back to his expected stats. And aging had a big part to do with that. So 2018, batted 304, expected 277. Then in 2019, Whit Merrifield batted 302, 274 expected. And then in 2020, batted 282 with a 292 expected. Then this last year, 277 with a 259. So I could certainly see him falling off. It's still on the table, except I, I just can't see discounting him the way that, you know, I obviously was in the past. I've completely admitted that I was wrong, but... I can still easily see him just going from incredibly valuable to like droppable. I mean, I, I think that's yeah, completely on the table for him. I'm not saying I predict that, but if he were to get any kind of injury that would hinder him and take away his, um, his ability to compile, he would be very hard to roster. I do get it. Yeah. I, I see exactly what you're saying. You could totally see like empty, um, 
just, I, I mean, there wasn't even a lot of power this year or anything like that. So I get what you're saying when you're relying on just stats basically and compiling and that's it. Um, you know, some unlucky batted ball stuff and stuff like that. I mean, it, and just then all of a sudden it's just like, I mean, I don't want to compare him to a guy like Malik Smith or something like that. But if all of a sudden you've got a guy who's just stealing bases and offering little else, that's scary, obviously. So, yeah, I, it gives me pause to really just like load up on him or anything. Um, so I definitely get your argument. It's going to be interesting. I think his price probably stays about the same though, because people are going to see that 40 stolen bases and think that they have steals locked up with them. I think so. Um, another interesting one. And of course, multi-position eligibility to second and outfield there for him, which also helps there too. Now, then the next, uh, st- the next second baseman off the board, number four is Avi- Ozzy Albies. Uh, another player who, I had, who I was just talking about before with Win Merrifield. If you look at the the data as far as Roto batted 259, 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 103 runs, 106 RBIs. I don't know if you're looking in front of this, but what would you assume his weighted runs created plus are if you didn't know? Um, I don't know. I would say that he was probably one of. Uh, I'd say he's got to be a top five second baseman. Well, you're like Turner was 142. Um, oh no, 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 sorry, that was uh, wrong. Um, for the entire, yeah, 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 for the entire year, uh, Turner was like a 142, Marcus Simeon was like a 131, Corey Polanco was a 122, for example. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, give me, I'll say 115. He's like 107. Hmm. Wow. Um, but you know, and a lot of that has to do with the 310 on base percentage, but again, 6.9 walk rate, not horrible, not good, not horrible. 18.7 strikeout rate, not horrible. And you get all those other stats. So, I mean, there's a lot of things built into those statistics. Like his XWO was only 329, which is like below average. I think the league average, I want to say, is like 340. Um, so it's like he's getting a lot of this done um, and not in the traditional way that you'd like to see in statistics. But again, 259, 30, 20, 100, 100. Uh, if, I mean, you look, look, at, uh, look at Trey Turner. He batted 328. Obviously, way different than 259, but 28, 32, 177. Basically, the only thing separating uh, Turner and uh, and Albies is batting average, a little bit of speed, which is obviously a huge thing. I mean, it's like a, sh- it's a shitload of points and batting average. It's a lot of batting average. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what makes Trey Turner so amazing. Not that he's going to bat 328 again. I don't think anyone will expect that. But, um, yeah, Ozzy Albies kind of buried here in the advanced stats. But again, you see Trey Turner showing up at the very top because of all the other things he av- he, uh, he he gives you. But as far as like, you know, walk rate, as far as strikeout rate, he's not not too far of a difference between the two. And um, you know, Trey Turner's in that super lineup. Ozzy Albies is still in Atlanta's lineup, which is still very solid. So where would you feel comfortable taking Albies? Because Trey Turner, with all the statistics that are far superior, um, even though they're, you know, we talked about how there's, you know, some of the counting stats are similar. Uh, Turner is very, very talented and there's no, we, no one sees a drop off and he's on the Dodgers. Ozzy Albies, there's actually a little bit of a red flag in his profile as far as like regression can go. I think that you kind of saw that, um, you know, kind of over his career. I mean, 2018, he batted 261, 24 and 14. 2019, he batted 295, which again, 325 um, Babbitt through 24 and 15. So I think that there is a, a reasonable expectation that this could be his career best season, 
which if even if you fall back to 24 and 15, that's completely fine. But if you're going to have a 260 batting average, 24 and 15, how special does that make you? And does that make you worthy of being drafted this early with so many other options this year that we haven't even gotten to? But with all these, like looking back to, we got to remember how young this guy is, like age 21 season, 24 homers, 14 steals, um, you know, slug 450 when he was only 21. So I think we still have some development, obviously, coming for Albies. But at the same time, you know, the low OBP, the lower average is, is worrisome. He's still in a great lineup. You you know, we talked before, I'm sure the Braves are going to re-sign Freddie Freeman in some form. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think his price remains the same. I, I'm still pretty intrigued. But again, this is a deep position. So um, I think this leaves him a little wee bit of an enigma because there, there's so much out there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I think he probably still sticks around the third round. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's funny. It's like, even though I don't know what to make him. You can make the argument that it's, it's safe because he's proven to get to a certain level of production. Um, mm-hmm. But if you see any regression coming his way, which I guess I, I would assume that I wouldn't assume much. I think the batting average is what it is. And he just happened to have a really solid counting stat year because the offense is so good. Freddie Freeman's going to come back. I don't think anyone thinks he's going to leave town. So they're going to have a good offense again. The only issue is, I mean, Javier Baez, you can get a few rounds later. You bet a 265, 31, and 18. Jazz Chisholm in only 500 plate appearances, got 18 home runs, 23 stolen bases, batted 248. Obviously, he's not going to get those counting stats, which a lot of people forget to add in when you're looking at players. People will look at the batting average, home runs, and stolen bases, and they'll just kind of forget that the the other stats are, are, are so important. So, yeah, as much as I can argue against Ozzy Albies as going that early, I mean, there's a reason, and it's safety. I think that you can count on an average above 250. You can count on 20 to 30 home runs. You can count on 15 to 20 stolen bases, and you can count on uh, a very high total of runs in RBI. So, I mean, that's, uh, I would say you can't put a price on it. You can. And it's like, I think third round is perfectly fine for him. Um, going into the fifth starting uh, second baseman was Glaber Torres, who couldn't have been more of a disappointment. So um, is he retaining, is he retaining second base going into this year? He is, right? Actually, you know what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely played. He played over 100 games at shortstop. You know what, though? He only has, he played 19 at second base, now that I realize it. So he should only be shortstop. So my bad. Actually. All right. So he's a game He's a game short. Yep. Yep. So he will not be a second baseman. All right. So what are your, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the Yankees uh, <laughs> uh, enigma that they continue to try to, uh, to try to trade, it seems like? Um, no, I will point this out. I, they pretty much already, st- I mean, we think he's going to play second base next year though. Correct. Cause I, I think they were already planning on doing that. And he's, I think he's probably quickly. Yeah. I, I think they will be in on a, like a Corey Seager or mm-hmm. they will be in on a player like that to, to play shortstop. Right. Yeah. I, people, people were kind of out on Torres a little bit last year. I think he was going like fifth round or so, um, throughout the off season, um, you know, it seems like he gets banged up in some way every single year, but I mean, that's literally every Yankee. So, um, you know, it's, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of risk here, I think, but then again, you know, you've also got the power and speed. Uh, he didn't do a lot of the power this year, uh, nine homers in 127 games. Um, this is, this is a really tough one. I think his price certainly drops. Um, the second and short eligibility that he may pick up 
isn't really going to help that price that much. Cause again, that that's valuable, but nowhere near like when you can cross infield positions or anything like that. So um, obviously he's still young, you know, just like all these, this guy's only 24 years old. I don't think he's going to be very popular this year. We'll have to see where he goes, but again, in a position that actually runs pretty deep, um, I don't know how often I'll be getting to Glaber Torres. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see any appeal here to be honest. Uh, this year is his line drive rate was up to 22.3 in 2019 when he had that solid year, only 20.9. Um, his ground ball rate is, is fine around 41 and a half. That's perfectly fine. His fly ball rate was down to 36.2, which is, you know, he traded up for some line drives, which isn't the worst thing in the world. His home run to fly ball ratio, 6.9. It was 7.1 the year before, which seems like a tick low. 21.5 in his 2019 year was certainly high. 17.9 in 2018 when he had 24 home runs and batted 271 over 484 plate appearances. That, to me, seems like a reasonable place to bank on. Um, but considering how poor he's played the last two years, I couldn't call that a floor. Obviously, it's not. But I think that is, um, if you are expecting a bounce back, I, I wouldn't expect the 278, 38 home runs. I'd expect the 271, 24 home run pace which would give him maybe 26, 27, you know, maybe approaching 30 home runs uh, is I think what he can reasonably look at, except he had a 321 BABIP that year. If you want to adjust it down, I think maybe you're looking at 260, 265 hitter. So if you are looking for a realistic, I think ceiling, I'll call it ceiling, 265, 30 home runs, I think is what your best case scenario of, of like a best likely scenario for Glaber is. So if you're going to draft him, I think you look for 265, 25 to 30 home runs. And I know he had 14 stolen bases this year. I don't think we can count on that. I mean, I, I, you know what, I go down to five to 10. That's what I expect. Um, anything above that is gravy, but I think that's what I would expect. Um, and what, I mean, what is that worth to you? <laughs> you know, uh, like you said, there'll be a discount there, but Let's try to look at let's try to look at some 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 totals here. Jonathan India batted 269, 21 home runs, 12 stolen bases, and 631 plate appearances. People will think that there's growth there, um, and he'll be a popular he'll be a popular person to um, you know th- that'll jump up in value. Do you think India will be drafted above? Uh, I have a few more names here, but the, real quick, do you think India will be drafted above Torres? Well, I'll tell you what, um, that would be quite the move if he is um i don't know if the hype train will be that big man i bet that's going to be close i honestly bet that's gonna be close i'll give the edge to torres still though in that situation okay and then Jorge polanco this year about a 269 33 and 11 javier baez about a 265 31 and 18 i think he can go kind of right behind them right. um then you got chris taylor batting 254 20 and 13 I don't think that I don't think Torres is that much greater than him, to be honest. So to give you to kind of give everyone an idea, I'm like kind of thinking out loud here and kind of posting it to the to the podcast. But yeah, I think that that is a, a place where he could reasonably be taken. When you get to Jazz Chisholm, he batted 248 again, 18 home runs, 23 stolen bases. Uh, Glaber is still on the Yankees, so um, you know he could you could hope that his counting stats bounce back, but again, only over five sixteen, he had basically 50 and 50 this year. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that interested because if I look at his likely best case and best case scenario, again, in my opinion, is not that much better than jazz Chisholm's rookie season. <laughs> so uh, I, I think I'm completely out. I, I, there's no way I think he goes late enough for me to be interested. Yeah. I think you're totally right. Polanco and Baez will undoubtedly go before him. I don't think there's any way. Um, and shoot, you just named, I think you named another, oh no, you named Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, I think there's going to be some question marks because he's a free agent. I don't know if the Dodgers bring him. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll depend on where he goes, right? right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll get there with him, but uh, I am interested because I don't know what his situation is going to look like. But yeah, I think right around there is where Torres will probably go. Or to give everyone, actually, I think this is the best way to summarize Glaber Torres, what to expect. If you look over the last couple of years, I think that Eduardo Escobar has built himself a pretty nice baseline of what to expect. He's Eduardo Escobar with a little bit of speed. That's that's uh, that's Gleyber Torres' best case scenario. That's what I think. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, number six is uh, Javier Baez. You obviously joined the Mets. Grab second base while uh, Francisco Lindor was um, you know available, and he. He had one of the best, I think, months of his entire career. He may have had the best month of his entire career in as far as plate discipline goes in September. And I think that has left a lot of people um, maybe with some unrealistic expectations of what he can deliver over a full year. But still, uh, he continues to defy the odds and uh, be a, a very solid player overall. About a 265, 31 and 18. We don't know where he's going to go. My, I think the smart money and uh, is is him returning to the Mets. I think that he, I mean, again, I have mixed feelings on this as a Mets fan because I really, I really appreciate plate discipline, which I do not think he has. I think we erase September. He has a pretty long track record of swinging at anything and everything, but he has proven the ability to play in New York, which cannot be understated. Uh, there's so many players, even Hall of Fame players that cannot do it. And even though they had the whole thing with the thumbs down, I mean, he, he, it didn't really affect his performance. He kind of rose above and was basically a superstar and his best friend plays shortstop there. So I'd expect he stay there. So assuming he stays, uh, what are you expecting a Javier Baez? Cause I, I get the feeling that he'll be a little, he'll still be a little undervalued based on, I think what, what I would expect to be a, a safe, safe enough floor for him. There'll, there'll be a lot of players that, are going to be um, kind of jumped up into this area. I mean, not to skip ahead, but I don't think Baez will go that much different than like, I think he'll be in there with Brandon Lowe. I think he'll be in there with um, Jose Altuve. I think he'll be in there with Kettle Marte, I guess, with the injuries. He'll go a little behind this group, but there'll be a pretty massive um, stack of second basemen in this general area. Yeah, this is a guy who I always like to get some shares of and not totally cross off my board. Because honestly, that kind of play discipline, like sometimes I just eliminate them from the player field. He has proven that he can do this, though. That's just who Javier Baez is. I think he can have another season like this, maybe discounted a little bit more, maybe a little bit off these paces. Um, but I think he can have another season just like this. Um, and I'm a fan of people who play. You know, we mentioned it with Whit Merrifield, even though he's got some holes as well. Um, and Baez, you know, typically plays a lot. So um, I'm intrigued by him. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of the other names that we've mentioned, I think he goes above, obviously, Gleyber Torres. And uh, right around the group that you just said. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
I think people will be scared off, obviously, by the strikeout rate. Actually, this year, weirdly enough, was the highest of his career in a full season at 33.6, but not by an astronomical amount. So, yeah, um, I think he can possibly repeat this again next year. And I would prefer that he stay in New York. We'll, We'll see what happens there. But I think right around there is where he goes. All right, moving on to the next hitter was uh, Kevin Biggio. Uh, I'll never trust him. I think he'll be. I mean, I don't even know if he's in their plans. Is right. he? Is he even? Is he even in Toronto's plans at this point? That's a great question. I mean, Zach Waxman. Speaking to him again, he 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 actually speculated he'd just be DFA'd the other day because um, they were discussing like what he could get in arbitration. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> I, I may have crossed this guy off already, actually. But, yeah, that this was – he wasn't even starting anymore. So, I don't really know what you can look to. Um, it, why can't I think of the name of the guy that's starting over him? But he he's much more consistent at the plate. What's his name? Why can't I well, you mean – well, I mean, right now, second and thir- second and short, they got – they got uh, they got Bo and uh, Simeon. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking of, uh, I guess, who would be playing third base. Anyway, Biggio is not playing either way. And I, I agree with you. I don't know that he'll even be in their plans anymore. So I, I'm. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I think it's hard to. It's hard to. Uh, I think they have Santiago Espinal. That's who I was talking yeah. about. He actually was, you know, solid at the plate and, you know, not striking out and not hitting. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's if that's a guy that has a slam dunk job over you, then. Really? Yeah, I can't see it going very well. Uh, the next guy up was Kettle Marte, who's, who's obviously a very interesting case because of the how well he performed when he was healthy, but the fact that he just was never healthy. But this looks like it's something we're going to have to deal with with him. In 2019, he batted to 329 with a 389 on base, 32 home runs, and 10 stolen bases, 92, um, 97 runs, 92 RBIs. This year, on only 374 plate appearances, he batted 318 with 377 on base, 14 home runs, uh, 52 runs, 50 RBIs, and two stolen bases. So the, the steals weren't quite there um, because of, you know, I don't probably because he was just reluctant, but everything else was kind of on pace to be that, you know, 2019 career year. I mean, it was, it was close enough. 139 runs created plus, it was 149 in 2019. So he's basically peak Kettle Marte is what you were hoping to get there, but uh, he just couldn't stay on the field. <laughs> so uh, how much do you bake that into your assessment for him? Because I think, I, I think it's safe to say he's this good. Uh, I mean, a full season, he is an MVP candidate um, on a bad team. Right. Uh, I don't think they have any, any dreams of trading him because he's so valuable, but man, they really should if someone's willing to pay up uh, and give you a King's Ransom, at least in terms of quantity, uh, so you can restock your system with a bunch of players. But for now, he's he's stuck in Arizona in a subpar team, but still um, MVP talent, just can't stay on the field. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. He had bad hamstring injuries this year, and that's another, yeah, that's the main reason for the lack of stolen bases and stuff and the missed time. But um Man, I, I almost debated with actually just taking him out of my player pool, even though he's he's a fantastic hitter, I think. Um, but we're just seeing these nagging injuries along with the depth at second base. Now, he does have outfield eligibility carried into next year, too, which is cool. Second and outfield is definitely something that will help you and very flexible. Um, but, yeah, I, 
he's undoubtedly a good hitter. So I think that's true no matter what. I think he has to fall back, though, just because, again, the volume of the guys we're talking about here. I think what you said a moment ago, him going after slotting after like Baez and uh, Brandon Lau and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm hesitant to take him. I like the dual eligibility. I just want to see him stay on the field. So, um, I know he was a hotly contested player last year. Some people were absolutely obsessed with him, and some people were not. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to be very hesitant with Marte this year, I think. All right. The, um, the next guy up is Brandon Lowe, who's a lot of people were very, very surprised by his performance this year. He ended up hitting 39 home runs and 99 RBIs. I wrote an article for NBC Sports Edge. It was, who would you rather take, Brandon Lowe or Kettle Marte? And I defended Lowe, which I think, I mean, it would have been, it would have, it would have been a different story if Marte was healthy. But here nor there, my definition of why I wanted Brandon Lowe is I predicted 40 home runs. So to everyone who thought that was crazy, ha. Uh, well, we will take a minor, minor victory lap here. Uh, there's this, uh, there's this statistic that Alex Chamberlain came up with blast percentage, which essentially takes someone's barrel rate and just takes out the weak barrels, which is basically the ones that were barely got their launch angle wise, or like barely got their exit velocity wise. And it basically took prime barrels and turned them into this thing called blast percentage. And I did my own research and I tried to cross reference that with, with players that had a, a solid standard deviation of launch angle, which measures the tightness of your launch angle. You know, you're not hitting too many pop-ups. You're not hitting too many ground balls. You're consistently hitting the hot zone of your desired launch angle consistently. That's so that's standard deviation of launch angle. You want that number to be low. And he was right up there with kind of league leaders. And over the past couple of years, he was up there with like the elite of the elite. And when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. So I was hoping that they'd give him a little more run versus lefties, which they actually didn't. I mean, at the end of the year, he, you know, he's proven he can, he can smoke lefties at times, uh, but it is the race. So, I mean, the fact that he had 39 home runs and they still sat him versus a decent amount of lefties is pretty solid. He only had the 247 batting average, which is something you're going to have to live with uh, for the entire year. But um, since the June 21st deadline, which I love to bring up, uh, since uh, it was a little more even playing field, breaking stuff wasn't godly anymore. No one was better since that date than Brandon Lowe. Trey Turner, 158 weighted runs created plus in second place, 171 for Brandon Lowe. Batted 284 with a 370 on base, 627 slugging since June 21st. That is a large sample. 11% walk rate, 26 home runs, 67 RBIs, and 335 plate appearances. So yeah, I, I 1000% believe in low and I am actually giddy at him choking in the playoffs because I'm hoping that'll suppress his value going into next season, because guess what? The, I don't care about the postseason in fantasy baseball, unless I'm a, unless, a, unless I'm a Rays fan, I don't really care about the postseason for them. So yeah, Brandon low, all of it. Uh, I think that last year he was getting undervalued and i think this year he'll continue to be undervalued because he's going in this tier and i don't think he should be yeah um that's incredible the the amount of home runs i'm impressed with that amount of power i, I you know kudos to you for calling that but i mean yeah you can kind of see it coming i mean like 17 home runs only 82 games in 2019 i mean you could see that this guy had that kind of power and then 14 and 56 games in the covid shortened season the um 
Uh, play discipline numbers pretty much reflect what he's been doing already. You know, he's never going to knock your socks off batting average wise or anything, but if he's providing that kind of power and from second base, that's not something you're seeing out there. Um, I don't think we can count on many steals, but Hey, he's one of those guys that's contributing anyway. So that's fantastic. The only thing I do worry about, like you mentioned is Ray's going to Ray, you know, and I just don't know when he won't be mm-hmm. in there against lefties. If, you know, we, we look at the strikeout rate, we look at the batting average. If he does slump hard, I get nervous with lefties. I just get nervous with not, you know, especially by the place with Rays, but really anywhere that if they start to slump hard and there's some risk in that batting profile, um, it worries me a bit. So I, that's not enough to, to say that I wouldn't be in on Lau. Is it now? Are you saying low because it's changed to low or is it still Lau? Because I thought it was. I have no idea ever when I'm talking about any of these players. Okay. All right. Well, we'll call him Brandon, uh, which I think is pronounced correctly. (laughs) Brandon L. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if, and by the way, if everyone really loves Javier or if everyone really loves Glaber Torres and you're obsessed with them, take Brandon Lau because that's who you want. It's literally what you're hoping Glaber will be is what Brandon Lau is. I think you're dead on with that. Yeah. Lau goes ahead of him for sure. I think he does go around that Baez territory because again, I think there's some, you know, some flaw, a little bit of flaw in his batting profile too. But yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to still be excited about Lau going into next year. Uh, Keston here. Keston here is next. Uh, we're going to skip him. Yeah, I mean, is his career over? Or what are we doing? I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll take him in draft and holds maybe or best balls. I don't know. I, you know, what? I don't even know if I want to waste the spot. I wouldn't because again, I mean, he's going to be going like non-existently late, but I don't even know if I want to waste the spot. No, because I don't like that batting profile way. And that's what I I took a a share or two of him coming into this year because it was like, okay, maybe this guy can sustain it like Javi Baez. And then you just see out of the gate, what can happen to a guy like that, you know, goes to triple A multiple times. So now there's no scenario there. There's no format where I would have him in 2022. Uh, next guy up, and uh, that was Keston here. We're uh, Jose Altuve, the 11th second base and off the board for NFBC. He, he had a very successful year 278, 31 home runs, 117 runs, 83 RBIs, five stolen bases. Stolen bases are gone. Just stop it. They're not coming back. Uh, I mean, we can, I think we're far enough away where we could officially say that with him and Mike Trout, the stolen bases are gone. Um, I was having a a discussion with Scott White over at CBS with uh, second base, second baseman, because I, we were doing, uh, I was doing the early mock draft and he was wondering how, why Altuve was going so late. And I was just joking. It's like, I don't think anybody likes him, <laughs> you know, just right. don't want to watch the roof for him. Uh, but he said he thought he was clearly the number one second baseman. And to his credit, he forgot Trey Turner had gained second base eligibility. So he said, all right, uh, he's the second. And I thought that there's, again, no reason to put him above Albies. I don't think there's I, – I, I think he should be in this tier with the other guys we've talked about. I don't think he's that – I don't think he's that far ahead of Witt. I don't think he's – I don't think he's ahead of Javier Baez. I don't, I don't think he's really ahead of too many people because I think the stolen bases are gone. And, again, after that uh, June 21st dead one, which I like to look at whenever all the offense picked up in the league, he was good. I mean, he batted 278. Oh, no, no, he didn't. He, he batted um, since that day, 265 with 15 home runs and three stolen bases, which is okay. Um, only 12.2 strikeout percentage, 9.6 walk rate, which is, which is fantastic. But I mean, Jake Cronenworth batted 256 with 13 and one 
Eduardo Escobar, 266 with 13 and zero. I mean, even Brendan Rogers batted 294 with 12 and zero. It's, he was just another guy at the second base position, which is not to, to discount his talent or ability. It's to just show you how deep and talented this entire group is. Uh, I mean, he was outperformed by Jonathan India. He was outperformed by Enrique Hernandez slightly. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of people here. And I, I just don't think that I'm willing to pay for a full season of Jose Altuve as he gets another year older. And the speed, again, I think is completely gone. You can argue that uh, he's getting too discounted for what he brings you, but I think I'm 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 looking at what he's given me with a uh, eyes wide open, and I'm I'm just not. Sh- I think if he's giving us no stolen bases, which you know five is not nothing, but five for him is is kind of nothing. <laughs> I mean, Jose DJ LeMahieu had four, uh, Ryan McMahon had six, so um, yeah, I, I I won't be taking Jose Altuve because if I want power i'm going another direction if i want speed i'm going another direction if i want to pass on the position i'm going another direction and jose altuve is going a little high for i think all of those things uh not only that but no dual eligibility either with so many of these guys having that yeah there's there's probably 50 reasons that altuve's draft price is going to just absolutely bottom out i think it's the age i I know you were some of being tongue in cheek, but yeah, people do not like him, which, you know, if, if, if you're playing high stakes and that influences your thinking, I don't know that I'd be playing high stakes anymore, but um, you know, he's had some injury issues in 18 and 19. He is getting older. Of course he's 31, which isn't, he'll still be 31, but turning 32 quickly into the 2022 season, not running anymore. Um, I could just go on. I mean, there's so many reasons that people will not be in on him. I think, and you're going to have to monitor the price because if it gets to be obscene, then there might be a buying opportunity there. This is still a, a very accomplished hitter that is going to be in a solid lineup. So I really want to see the price, but man, I think he could absolutely free fall. Um, and even some of the things I've listed, I don't like either. I mean, I'm not a fan of the fact that he's not running anymore, you know, the age, some of the injuries in the past and stuff like that, but it, it may get so ridiculous because people just aren't a fan of him. Um, that there may be a buying opportunity. So I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that because he's going to be super interesting. I can agree with that. I think it's mostly, I just had a few people who were very sharp in the industry say how, how highly they think of him. And if, if he's going to be firmly above these other guys um, in this tier, I, I can't, I can't do it. I, uh, I mean, if I can get, I they said we're out on Marte, but if I can get Marte like six rounds later, uh, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that instead. Right. And I'll, I'll just take a, you know, I mean, and again, in that it's in that, that June 21st date, basically a Jose Altuve was Abraham Toro with a better batting average. Oh man. Nice. 30. I mean, really he was the same guy, just 30 points oh, higher batting average, which is still something, but again, it's Abraham Toro. We're talking exactly. about. Uh, and that's Jose Altuve bringing up next is we don't have to talk about him much because we've talked about him already is Jeff McNeil. Uh, I, I'd expect a bounce back, uh, but um I, I just need to see where he goes. Uh, I, I expect a bounce back here, but again, he's, he doesn't stand out in any particular category. He's just kind of just a solid guy across the board. I expect a bounce back in batting average, but again, we don't even know if he'll be on the Mets, what position he'll play. They started to bat him towards the bat- bottom of the lineup. He's sitting some days. Uh, we just have to see what his situation is. So for now, uh, I'm not too interested. Uh, I do expect him to perform better next year, but his his environment is so uncertain that it's hard to actually give a, a good assessment. 
Yeah, I'm not really interested. I mean, he had major injury issues this year. The Mets actually started platooning him a lot. Um, I know this because I had him on Boku teams, just because of the eligibility and stuff like that. I, I really was intrigued with him. He does lose, I think, third base going into this year. Um, so, yeah, he, he's he's really going to free fall. It's a situation to watch, um, but not a lot of intrigue at this point from Jeff McNeil for me. All right, that's Jeff McNeil. 13th up was Marcus Simeon, who is going to see the biggest jump of anybody. Uh, well, I mean, Jonathan India will probably see the biggest jump just for circumstances. But in terms of practical people that uh, were, were realistic options last year when you were drafting, uh, Marcus Simeon uh, had, had a, a monster season, batting 265, uh, 45 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 115 runs, 102 RBIs. People are talking about taking him in the second round. I'm completely out. I'm no, no interest in that price point whatsoever. I'm not necessarily that interested in taking him in the third round either. Again, since the June 21st, which is actually even more um, important for me when it comes to Blue Jays players, because before that they were playing in Dunedin, mm-hmm. which you really, I, I mentioned this with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You got to look into how much of a boost that was. Again, since that June 21st date, Marcus Simeon, 252, 27 home runs, six stolen bases, which is good. It's not any better than Brandon Lowe. It's not better than Jorge Polanco. Uh, it's it's kind of right there with Jonathan India in terms of total value because uh, India batted maybe 20 points higher in batting average. Uh, so he was, he was solid, and he didn't really have any kind of drop-off. He kind of kept it going the entire year. But I think that where he's going is you are taking him at his ceiling, especially in the second round. And I think that after his 2019 year, he's kind of proven that this is more what he is than any kind of a fluke, except, um, you know, we, we definitely got to see where he's, where he signs <laughs> being in Toronto was a big deal in that monster lineup. We'll see where he ends up. And it just depends on where he goes. Cause I believe I'm not saying I don't believe, I believe that Marcus Simeon is pretty much what we saw just a little worse take out, you know, if you even out the first couple of months, uh, but, uh, yeah, two, second round's too freaking early, Th- uh, beginning of the third. It's just, it's just too early. This position's so deep and that is so early. Yeah. It's hard to disagree with anything that you've said. Um, I'm happy that I had lots of shares of Simeon coming into this year, not because I thought he was going to do this, but because he plays a shit ton of games and I did a lot of best ball. So <laughs> that's pretty much the reason I had so much of him, but, um, yeah, for him, I think he's universally going to be going in the second round. Uh, you named every reason why I don't see him returning anywhere near that amount of value. Um, I think we'll probably be looking. Well, first off, we don't know where he's going to go. Um, I don't. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, how confident are you? Because obviously, the best case scenario would pretty much be that he resigns with Toronto. Uh, do you think that happens, or do you think he could go elsewhere? Well, in terms of what Toronto needs to do. It, um, he's not actually a perfect fit for them other than the fact that he was just really strong. There's um, getting a left-handed bat in there, maybe making a uh, reassuring that they're starting pitching holds together because they still need to retain Robbie Ray. Yeah. I don't know how much money they have to spend and what they plan on doing, but um, they, they certainly um, have better, I think better fits that they can do with their, their money. Um, that's the best place for him to go, but I don't know if they're, I, I would, really put money on them bringing him back. Yeah. Again, he'll watch, watch it be the first thing they do. 
because you, you know it's not like it's a it's a bad move by any stretch of the imagination. I, are you sure? Because I think it might be a bad move because it's probably going to be like he's thirty years old. He just had the best year of his career that he's never going to do again. And if they give him like seven years and one hundred and eighty-five, I mean, what what would it be? I don't know what the deal would be. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just ridiculous with that amount of money. But like that that screams to me like Albert Pujols a Rod contract. I don't know if you want to get into that kind of territory. You know what I mean? Like I think I think he's in like the four. 80 four years 80 i think he'll be like around there he should be i just don't know if that's... i mean i mean maybe one team goes five on him right i don't know i mean if if, if someone goes five 125 which you know some team may um uh you know the, the blue jays shouldn't do it but we'll have to see yeah um but yeah again i believe in him oh, that's marcus simeon moving on 14th off the board was andres jimenez cool. which i mean obviously huge huge disappointment um, was kind of messed with and sent down to triple a, I think for just service time purposes. And he came back up and Ahmed Rosario was actually very solid. So he didn't get a lot of playing time in triple a batted 287, 10 home runs, eight stolen bases. At one point, I think he had home runs like five games in a row. Um, and only, um, 210 plate appearances, in the majors, he only batted 218, five home runs and 11 stolen bases. So again, for the season, um, you know, looking at 15 home runs, 19 stolen bases over about 443 plate appearances. I will actually be on him this year. Uh, he'll be a guy people have completely forgotten about. Um, I want to see and get a good idea of what Cleveland has in store for their infield, but I think that he's probably going to be uh, probably a regular part of their offense going into next year. So I think that the skill is still there for him to deliver kind of what you were hoping to get um, as far as like, I think he can, you know, he can easily give you 20 plus steals. I think he'll give you those double digit home runs. I think he can give you a batting average. It's at least 250 to 60 over a full season. I think uh, if he's given uh, time to actually stick in the majors and he has that fantastic glove, that's worth keeping it at shortstop. So um, huge disappointment this year, he got bumped up a lot because you know, Lindor, you know, he got traded there for Lindor. People thought he'd be in there every single day and he just rack up cheap stolen bases. That obviously just didn't happen. But uh, I think people will just write him off. And I think it's kind of a mistake. So for draft and holds, especially, I will be taking him late and uh, very happily because I think that you'll be able to get him at a price where even if he busts, it's not going to hurt you. And I think there's nothing but upside here. Um, but, you know, again, Subject to change. I want to see what Cleveland's plans are, but as far as I can tell, there's no reason for him not to be kind of in there every day. Yeah, uh, this is this is a cop out for me, but I'm going to do kind of a wait and see because I want to make sure that the playing time will actually be there. I think there mm-hmm. are reasons to believe it will, like you said, and obviously he's he's good defensively, so um, I think there could be a great opportunity there. Uh, and I agree with you; most people absolutely write him off. He hit near the Mendoza line. I mean, there just wasn't a lot to like, um, but he was overhyped coming into the year. I mean, I, I think a lot of people saw that, but uh, now he's, you know, this is the game you play. The pendulum swings. Uh, he'll be undervalued. So I'm also interested in Ahmed Rosario too. I think uh, there could be a lot of playing time for those two guys, but it's a wait and see for me. Um, but I agree with you. I think there could be an opportunity there with Andre Jimenez. I, I, I kind of want to agree with you with the wait and see. And I think I kind of alluded to that. It's just, uh, I think in these early drafts, I I'm going to just take a plunge right. because I think he's just, I think he's so written off that the price will just be still worth it for me. Cause I mean, I look at what they have. I look at what they have in their minor league system. That's ready to go. 
I don't see anything stopping them. So I don't know. I, again, it, it's, it's a matter of price, but yeah, it's, as far as practical purposes, if you're any kind of like actual high, high stakes leagues, you want to be able to get those, uh, um, at bait others on the, you know, those at bats kind of accounted for 15th. Again, this is shocking. Taking after Andre Semenez, that's how much he got pumped up was Max Muncy who has had a terrific season. Um, he looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the postseason if the Dodgers even move on uh, past the next game with the Giants. But uh, he is I, – he, I mean, he should be completely fine to go. He he got into a uh, a collision at first base where he, I believe he got his dislocated his elbow, yeah, if I'm not that mistaken. Looked, it looked pretty rough too, but, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah, and I think – yeah, yeah, I think he'll be fine. But uh, he's someone that I kind of write off from year to year because I hate his profile. He's one of those people that just takes too many damn pitches. And if you kind of look at it, there's actually, a, it looks like there's a hole, hole in his swing where, where he can be pitched to, and it just doesn't happen. It's just, he's patient. He waits for his pitch and he punishes the other team for it. Uh, he, again, he does take a ton of pitches. He has like over like a 20% <laughs> called strike rate almost routinely. Uh, but you know, he, and he doesn't make like an outstanding amount of contact in the zone, but again, he he's waits it out. He doesn't chase and he waits for his pitch and, and he, he makes everyone pay for it this year. He batted 249, which again, uh, I think that low batting average is as par for the course. Uh, he batted 192 last year, which is again on the back of a 203 Babbitt. Before that, he batted 251. So you're getting that 250 batting average. But again, over his first last full three after his last three full seasons 35 home runs 35 home runs 36 home runs you know guess what i'm expecting in 2022 a 250 batting average with 35 home runs so um he's one of those guys where i feel you could just write his production down in ink have your have your projections ready write down 250 um 35 home runs uh, about you know just mark them down for 90 90 and runs and rbis and see where that leaves you, you know, so uh, that I think he's he should be going right around that tier with low Altuve and everything, but he still did retain a lot of his position eligibility should should give him a bunch up. So I, I think I would slide him maybe just in front of all those guys, except, you know, he doesn't give you those stolen bases. So I think that, you know, he, he, it depends on what you need, whether you go with like him or a guy like Javier Baez, for example. But I think he deserves to be kind of right up there in that area. I agree with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it kind of short because we addressed him on first base too. But I, I you know, it looks like he's going to be fine from the injury. Um, and I'm with you. I don't love the plate approach, but this is another guy like we talked about with Baez before that shows that he's able to pretty much do this. And the production has been so ridiculously consistent year to year. So um, I love the first base, second base eligibility. That's something I'm always really interested in when you cross over the positions, like I mentioned before um can really help you out but yeah one dimensional i mean he's a homer guy he's not going to hit well um but again the consistency so there's some trade-offs there it's it's a weird case because um he plays for a popular team um he had a good year but you know he's not going to give you much in batting average so i'm not sure i think the market maybe maybe stays i guess well he's going to move up a little bit because he's coming off a rough year with covid but i think he goes right around the guys that you mentioned as far as all right, so we've kind of we, that was Max Muncy we're talking about. Um, right now, we're kind of going to go out of order. I'm just going to read um, a pretty much a massive list of names, and we're going to go with the best of the rest who we want to talk about here since we're going a little long, like always. Mm-hmm. From 16 to 30, uh, Mike Moustakis, uh, Dylan Moore, 
Tommy Edmond. We're definitely going to talk about Nick Solak, Colton Wong, Gene Segura, Nick Madrigal, Garrett Hampson, Gavin Lux, Willie Castro, Ryan McMahon, Ty France, Jake Cronenworth, Jorge Polanco, and Chris Taylor. So we'll just kind of go rapid fire down that entire list. Mike Moustakis, me and you have already agreed. We're kind of off of him because how incredibly brutal this season was for him, right? Totally off Moustakis, yeah. Uh, Dylan Moore, is he actually, uh, I believe he should be at second base again, right? He will be, yes. Yes, he will. Uh, Are any interest there? Because the batting average is brutal, but he still did deliver uh, home runs and steals. It just seems like I don't know if he'll be in the long-term plans for Seattle as he, again, uh, such such a... uh, albatross uh with batting average i'm worried about it yeah he hit so terribly that he was hardly even playing down the stretch um so i'm i'm really worried about it honestly so uh, i had a decent bit of him this year i had high hopes did not pan out whatsoever yeah you got the stolen bases but you can't deal with that kind of batting average so i doubt i will have any dylan moore going into next year tommy edmund uh one of my absolute favorite players who i had everywhere This year, tons of eligibility. About a 262 with 11 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 91 runs, and 41 doubles. Uh, was leading the. I don't know if he ended up leading the National League. He was for the longest time. He may have ended up leading the league. Uh, what do you think of Todd Miami going to next year? I, I think he's going to be, again, incredibly undervalued. Well, as a Cardinal fan, I obviously love the guy. He is he and he is such a classic Cardinal too. Like just one of these guys, like late bloomers that does it all. And like, who is he? You know. Um, but I, I want to ask you, like, because I think the steals will remain there. Um, he's going to play every day. There's always a place for him to play. Um, there's a lot to love. The eligibility, of course. What what isn't there to love? The only the, the question I have is, you talk about Whit Merrifield and the potential for like just being a compiler. Do you see any of that with Tommy Edmond? Because, I mean, just a little bit of, like, bad luck, BABIP-wise, we could be looking at a lot of emptiness here. I mean, do you not worry about that with Tommy Edmond at all? I do. Um, but I think you kind of brought up the perfect players. Whit Merrifield is like, why am I taking Whit Merrifield in this third when I can take Tommy Edmond in the, I don't know, the seventh or eighth right. <laughs> or ninth? Or ninth. I, don't, I don't know where everyone's going to value him. Uh, but uh, as far as first – my my gut feeling is, yeah, I'll have an, a lot of Edmund because I think his price kind of bakes out his risk a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he is. It's it's really interesting. I, I think I'll probably have some shares simply because of the eligibility, but those 30 steals are going to give people, there might be some sticker shock. Maybe he does go a bit higher. So we'll see, but I think he will be a bit popular this year. I mean, I like shortstop and second base so much that I, for me, I'll probably have Tommy Edmond as my middle infielder. Mm-hmm. I will probably have already invested. By the time I draft him, I probably have already taken a second baseman and a shortstop um, in, in a lot of cases, not all, but a lot of cases. So I, I might end up just him as my middle infielder, which again will be even better uh, because I'll already be kind of set at the position and I'll be able to move him in and out. Right. Uh, Nick Solak. He looked like early in the year he was going to be an absolute stud. Uh, he 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 fell off in a massive way from like one of the uh, draft picks of the year to like must cut territory. He does have uh, a little bit of speed. He ended up batting 242 with 11 home runs, seven stolen bases, and 511 plate appearances, which is brutal. Uh, but is there anything uh, brutal overall? I should say, is there anything you saw in his profile that made you want to get back in next season? Uh, just kind of what we already saw going into last year and the fact that, you know, when they called him back up from AAA, they were like, "We're he's playing every day. And he did for the most part. So I think he's obviously a huge part of the Rangers' future plans. I think he's going to be in there every day next year. So I have some intrigue just because of those reasons. I think he's a regular. Um, he does 
pretty much everything you need roto wise um i think this is another man this year or, or uh, earlier this isn't quite that kind of buyback scenario uh, but I think there people are going to be low on Solak, so I could I could see myself having some of him for sure. Uh, Colton Wong against Nick Solak, the twentieth uh, second baseman off the board is Colton Wong. If he could somehow stay on the field, which is not going to happen, which is a big problem with drafting him, is I think that he could bat 280, 2020. I think he has that ability. I think he always has, um, but uh, especially with that in Milwaukee. But um, it's just never going to occur. So for coming off a pretty decent season, is he just still a guy that um, you're drafting for your bench? Or if you completely missed on the position, are you are you uh, comfortable with him in your starting lineup? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I would not be comfortable with him in my starting lineup. I just think uh, that, you know, and again, being a lefty, you've got platoon stuff possibly coming there. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. He, I, he could get regular playing time if he hits, but that is a bit of a question mark for me, but he has hit at the top of the order. So, um, the way that I like to do things, I don't think there's a way that he ends up on a lot of my rosters, but he, it's a, what if, you know, this is a non-answer, but it, he's going to have to hit a little bit. And if he does, obviously, I think he'll continue to play more games. Uh, Gene Segura, that was Colton Wong. Gene Segura's up next. I had Segura everywhere. His third base was kind of shallow. He was one of my, and he was available at second and third. I, I grabbed him pretty much everywhere because he was pretty much at the end of the line um, in, as far as ADP. And I thought he was worth far more than he was being taken. I thought that there'd be a bounce back to some stolen bases uh, because he had a little bit of leg trouble in 2019 that kind of went over into 2020. So I hoped he'd go up from 10 into that 20 range. Again, he ended the season with nine. He had some issues staying on the field this year, but continues to be incredibly um, underappreciated going back to 2016, his batting average, 319, 300, 304, 280. And then he slipped in 2020 when he was injured to 266, back up to 290 this year. He's always going to have a solid batting average. Uh, he's always going to have a solid on base too. If you are, are playing in those leagues, he gives you 10 to 20 stolen uh, home runs. He gave you 14 this time. He only gave you nine stolen bases. So, I mean, you gotta, I think you gotta accept right now that those 20 stolen bases probably aren't coming back, but uh, kind of like a Starling Castro. I mean, not to bring up uh, his yeah. name, but uh, I mean, he, he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as statistic wise, uh, a, a better version of what people were hoping for him over the last few years where I think just an underappreciated uh, player that still can't really push the needle in many categories. But again, if he can give you those 10 stolen bases, if he can be healthy for a full year, maybe gives you 15. Uh, but I still love Segura. Uh, I think that uh, he'll be another target for me once again as someone who probably give you decent batting average and kind of good across the board. It's just you can't count on him to star for you because he's not staying on the field. I think he's proven that. I won't waste a lot of time. I agree with everything you said. Model of consistency. I also had him everywhere. Second and third eligibility is beautiful. Um, consistent guy. Uh, not going to be drafted highly because he's older and boring, but he hits. And older and boring is usually what helps you win in fantasy. So, yeah, I like Segura still, too. Uh, Nick Magical. Uh, I won't offer anything here. We got to wait and see what his rehab looks like, what the Cubs have in store. But uh, high on base guy who could give you a 300 batting average and then 20, you know, 20 steals. Uh, we just got to see where the market values him. But for now, I think he's, yeah, he's nothing more than a, a best ball guy or someone maybe you take at the very end of your bench. If you happen to really have screwed up middle infield, like as a, as a last resort. Yeah. I have no interest. His injuries have been, uh, 
a bit too much to overcome. He had a shoulder issue coming into this year, so I, I don't have any interest in that Rubel. All right, uh, 23rd off the board was Garrett Hampson, who, um, I mean, 444 plate appearance, 494 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 17 stolen bases, only about 234. He continues to have that upside where, you know, the Rockies are trading people. Trevor Story's leaving town. He's, if he gets a full season and he gets in any kind of groove, 40 stolen bases are there. They are there. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I ever want to invest in it, though. Right. Uh, he's a popular pick every single year because people always think he's going to do that. But is he going to get it the playing time, like you said? I mean, he he did get some this year. Um, you know, he offers some defensive skills, so that definitely helps. Uh, I just think that because of the stolen base potential, he perpetually is going to go higher than I'm willing to go. Um, and if you can't muster a 300 on base percentage playing in course field, I don't really know what to say to you. No, I probably couldn't do it, but uh, neither can Garrett Hampson. <laughs> um, 24th off the board was Gavin Lux. He, he's finally looks like he's probably going to have playing time next year, which has always been his issue, but he hasn't played well when given the opportunity for the most part, but he kind of changed that at the end of the season. He's been playing well of late. So uh, Gavin Lux to see someone where you're, you're willing to pay for his services. I get the feeling that he'll be um, on so many people's sleeper list that his, his ADP will still get pushed beyond where I'm willing to go, I'd rather so he hit on another team probably, and I'll just uh, you know reevaluate the next season. But it all depends on how much he gets hyped. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't have much of him. He's probably going to get some playing time this year, but you know I haven't really seen him do anything yet. This this field is way too deep. So, all right. And so as as we continue to go through this, uh, <laughs> so we continue to go through the field. Uh, we've gone through basically the top twenty five or so. Uh, what, what are some of your favorites going going through? So we're not going to touch all of them. You got Ryan McMahon, yeah. uh, Jake Cronenworth, Jorge Polanco had a massive season. Chris Taylor, we already talked about. We don't know where he's going to actually end up signing. That'll end up being a big deal for him. So who are your some at the, at the favor here? Let's talk about Jorge Polanco. Do you think that there's any chance that the, this kind of power outbreak and more importantly, his steals that we kind of saw come across, these double-digit steals, do you think that there's uh, more of that to come, or do you think he's just this massive bust going into next year? I don't think he's a massive bust, but again, you'd be paying top dollar for a guy who's never done this before if you draft him. So, I mean, the batting profile looks pretty much the same. He didn't really do anything as far as like some of the skills that was way different from what he's done before. I just think some of the counting stats ended up being higher than what you're probably going to get. So I, this is another guy. I think I literally had 40 some percent of him on my rosters this year because of the position eligibility and stuff, uh, but probably will not be in as much this year because of the price. Uh, how about Jazz Chisholm, who uh, people were excited about his potential. He always struggled uh, mightily with strikeouts, still at a 27% strikeout rate. Um, was it this year or is that since June 21st? Cause that's where I have, have it filtered, but a uh, very solid rookie year for him. And he's going to be in there every single day for the Marlins ended up batting 248 with 18 home runs, 50 or in a 23 stolen bases. So do you think there's a nice step forward for jazz who again, uh 28.6% strikeout rate. So that's, that's a pretty big issue. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, honestly. Um, and I know I'm in the minority, and that's totally fine. This is going to be people paying for a breakout that they don't know is coming. This happens every year in fantasy baseball. Um, I'm fine to let him go wherever he's going. I don't think I'll have very much of him. I just I, I don't have a reason to do that with this field, and I'm concerned about the batting profile. So he'll probably get there one day. I'm not saying he won't, 
Um, but I, I'm probably not the best in. All right. And the last guy, let's, uh, let's cut it off here. Let's talk about Jonathan India, who everyone's probably been waiting through this entire episode for us to talk about in his rookie year, 269, 376, 459, 21 home runs and 12 stolen bases over 631 plate appearances with 98 runs scored, 69 RBIs. He's going to return to a fantastic ballpark. Um, 22.3% strikeout rate is fine with an 11.3% walk rate, which is great. I mean, he's a top prospect who carried an almost 10% barrel rate and everything looked pretty solid uh, as far as expected statistics and all of his batted ball data. I mean, he's pulled, he pulls the ball like crazy, but you know, it does work for him. He carries a nice healthy 22 and a half percent line drive rate. Uh, doesn't put the ball in the air too much has a kind of middle of the road, 15.9% home run to five ball ratio. Just, kind of everything you would look for in a player looks fine. I mean, 25% O swing, which is about six percentage points below league average, uh, doesn't, you know, low swinging strike rate and it just above average, uh, in zone contact rate, just everything looks solid. He, he decent batting average, decent power, decent speed. Um, and, uh, it's solid plate discipline. I just, I, I like it a lot. He'll be one of those guys that'll get talked up a ton, uh, but I'm not sure the ADP will actually jump up to where it should. Um, so I think unless he somehow finds himself in that tier, we've been talking about the entire day with the Baez, Altuve, um, I think he'll be right behind them. And if he is, I'll be all over it. If he gets pushed up into that or above, I may be out. But if yeah, if he falls behind there, like I think he will, I'll be, I'll be in. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's all going to depend on price, which – kind of stupid to say because that's how it always works but he you know again was a rookie i don't know that we see a repeat of these rate stats um i think we see a little bit of a pullback there especially in the on base percentage of 376 i mean my god that's fantastic um but again he does have those skills so i think we're going to see a little bit of a pullback but that said that doesn't take away that this guy's got an amazing plate approach for a young dude. He will be 25 by opening day. So a little bit of a late bloomer, but that that's perfectly fine because, you know, he may have arrived already. Um, he's in a fantastic ballpark for hitters, um, has a couple good hitters around him, like Votto and Winker and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more interested. You know, we talked about two young guys. I don't know why anybody would be talking about Jazz Chisholm over Jonathan India. I think that that would be not sensical um but yeah india i let's look for the prices i think we see a little bit of a pullback but yeah count me as an intrigued party with jonathan india as well all right so uh that i think I, we talked about most people of interest maybe i left one or two out uh is there anyone you want to talk about before we we left off because uh you know second base was deep and we tried to talk about pretty much everyone of interest we could so uh brian if you want to uh Take us out with your final thoughts on the position, anyone we missed, and tell everyone yeah. where they could find you. Yeah, so, yeah, I, Ryan McMahon, you know, some consistency there. He's playing in quarters. He's worth a pick, I think. Jake Cronenworth, I think, is becoming a really mature bat. I like. I do like him. I want to see where Chris Taylor goes in the offseason. You know, it actually might be a positive change for him because maybe he'll not be that super utility guy. Maybe he'll play every day for somebody. I don't know. Um, and honestly, Ty France, I'm really intrigued with what he did this year. I think we could see that continue first and second eligibility again is awesome. And, uh, you mentioned Eduardo Escobar, super, super consistent guy. We'll see where he goes this off season as well. So just to kind of summarize those guys, but yeah, as you can see, super deep position, we probably could have gone another half hour if we really dug deep into those guys. Um, 
That said, that doesn't mean like it did with first base that we're not going to take the guys at the top because Trey Turner does everything. It's not like Freddie Freeman in the first base scenario where, you know, you can kind of get some of that stuff later on. So it's a deep position, but that doesn't take away from taking Trey up top, I don't think. So that's my thoughts on the position. As far as where you can find me, I am at Brian J. Seymour on Twitter, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. And kind of doing some videos here and there. Um, just my thoughts as I kind of prepare myself for the 2022 season, which I look to be, um, personally, I want it to be one of the best that I've ever had. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to get into a lot of contests again this year and would love to engage with people. Let's talk about our prep strategy as we get into the grind. This is one of my favorite times of the year. So, um, you know, really pumped for the next season. All right. And yeah, we talked about everyone we, uh, we could, <laughs> uh, there, there were some names that we missed there. It all depends on, um, you know, batting, you know, the rest of their lineup, like Enrique Hernandez, Josh Rojas, yeah. um, uh, Fletcher had a major meltdown this season. I, I wouldn't anticipate much of a bounce back there. Uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of people, especially if you're in very, very deep format, Cesar Hernandez, uh, that we just didn't get to. Um, how, how about Todd, Todd Frazier, Adam Frazier, oh, <laughs> who looked like uh, such such a monster player who had such a massive drop-off after being traded to San Diego. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting players to be had incredibly late if you're in those, uh, those deep formats. But uh, if you want to talk more about any of the players we discussed or any that we didn't get to, uh, again, you can reach out to me on Twitter, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S, or reach out to at Turn2Podcast. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the second base preview review. We'll be back next week with, I don't know. Do we want to go straight over to third base or go to shortstop? Are we going uh, closest to second or in practical purposes, numerical order? See, I always would personally, I always would write down third first if I was doing it that way. But I do think for fantasy purposes, starting with short makes more sense because we're going right across from second base. There's going to be some duplicate guys. So yeah, I think short would make more sense. All right, there you go. The eyes have it. We'll go with shortstop next week. Thank you for listening to the Turn Two, Turn Two podcast. See you, everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The x fipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, you can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third, because I want to win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z, it's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curve, but if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. What it do? Win leagues. Catch out. Catch out.